0: Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me today on this podcast Monday that I look forward to every single week. My guest today is Jason Murchie. He is the founder of Values of the Wise, and he's also an author. He's written four books. And his latest book is actually an award winner. He got the National Indie Excellent Award, and the name of that book is called "Wisdom, a Very Valuable Virtue That Cannot Be Bought." Welcome to the show, Jason. Hi, thank
1: you. I've been uh, waiting for months to be uh, able to speak with you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's
0: it's I, I think what you who you are, what you represent what you're interested in what you write about is absolutely so engaging and this is really going to be a treat and i would just like to let people know as they're listening if you would like to visit jason's website you can easily find it at valuesofthewise.com and you will see it there how you can get his book what he's all about alfie it's all there and Let's just, I, I, Jason, I like to start my podcast out by getting, getting to know you. I feel like I always want to like break into a a song, getting to know you. Um, But I think (laughs) it's just great, but it's true. I mean, if I was going to listen to somebody's podcast, I would want to know, well, who is this guy? Who, Who is he? So you do have a very interesting background, and I thought you could just share some some of that with us so that we can get to know a little bit about you, Jason. And I just called you Jason because that's your first name. Take it away, my friend. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, whenever you, uh, you know, give an elevator pitch about, uh, you know, your background, you're going to miss 95% of it, and <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. I'm sure I'll look back on this and think, ah, I missed this and I missed that, but, uh-huh. uh, you know, just – an overall sketch is uh, I'm about 50 years old. I live in western North Carolina with my wife. Uh, I was born and raised uh, not far from you in uh, mm-hmm. a suburb of Los Angeles. And uh, my childhood was was kind of a mix of, of, you know, I went to Disneyland four times a year, and we had a house <laughs> in Scottsdale. Christmas was always wonderful. And then the family started to disintegrate when I was about the twelve, and finally, um, really hit the skids at about um, fifteen. There was alcoholism and prescription drug usage, and and just lots of fighting, and it, it was very um, troublesome and tumultuous. And I, wow. I think that, that, although it was very difficult to go through that and to you know have to face such deep changes right when I was you know in, in early high school trying to stay on a college track. Uh, You know, the epilogue is uh, I got off that track because Mm -hmm. my my parents were either, you know, away in the mountains or or mentally ill. Um, That's not to disparage my father, you know, he he really did try, but he just had so much trouble in life um, before, during and after the divorce that I kind of had to, you know, sort of parent myself in a way.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I, I began to become very interested in psychology and philosophy, and when I would read quotations, uh, by ostensibly wise Individuals throughout the centuries From different cultures I would feel like I had friends In those people that I that I Really didn't have in real life um, I mean that's not to say I didn't have any friends But it is to say that it was a Consolation of sorts to be able To get that you know Dopamine squirt that, that I would get when I would read something by Socrates or Helen Keller Or Edna St. Vincent Malay you know just thousands sure. of people that would say something. It was so um, instructive and helpful and uh, beautiful. And so I kind of just really grabbed on to philosophy. And um, one person who was listening to my story once said, it's as though Socrates saved you. And, you know, I never really did get involved in, in drugs or go to jail or anything. So I think that, um, you know, what suffering I did was kind of of the internalizing nature, you know, uh, self-esteem problems and, and uh, anxiety and such. But uh, I think Socrates was helpful to me, and so were so many other people because philosophy is, is just incredibly interesting. Most people, they probably don't know that because they haven't taken a class for 50 years or, or, right. or they never took a class. Maybe it scares them or they think it's boring or whatever, but, you know, just to dip your toe into the, into the pool of philosophy and to learn about you know, existential humanistic psychology is very, uh, is very enriching, and that's, that's one of the things that really shaped me.
0: I, I, I like what you said about that because we all have our own childhood. We're, we're all on our own path, and everybody's childhood is not the same. And depending upon if you have siblings or how large your family is or any of those circumstances, they, they do go into the, um, the bowl of clay that helps to shape us. And then we get to yeah. make our own decisions um, as we become yeah. adults, and we all take that pathway that leads us to where we are and sometimes there are enormous detours, sometimes there's giant bumps in the road. i mean there isn 't anybody that doesn 't get to adulthood and not have some of those experiences it's interesting that you could lose yourself in and i and I mean that in a in a good way into the books and into the philosophy because it, it it enriched your life and it, it took yep. you where you are today, which I think is interesting, because you you are you know you're like those Soseki's man. You are a very interesting man, and I was thinking about <laughs> how often I use that word interesting. Um, I'm in to- I I don't go to Toastmasters anymore, but when I did, and if you overuse a word over and over again, you you, you start losing the value of that. And I thought, God, how many times do I say the word interesting? And I looked it up because you're a wordsmith just like I am. And I thought, you know, engaging is also a term for interesting. And you are indeed very engaging. And you are the founder of Values of the Wise. And I'm looking at that website right now, which I happen to think is really fabulous. So, Let's start there. Tell us about the focus of why you started this organization before we start talking about your book. Um, I'm happy to. I also um, heard when you were talking about the word interesting,
1: um, you know that reminds me of the word wonder. And uh, Plato said philosophy begins in wonder. So I think you're you're essentially philosophizing when you were getting interested in, in people and their story. And you know how the world works, and trying to see mm-hmm. patterns and stuff like this, and and I think that's I think that's really neat. Thank you. If you, if you never said interesting, you'd have a, a much bigger problem than if you
0: say interesting too much. Um, yeah, I suppose but, you're uh, right. What I like about you, what I there, I heard another song just go on in my head when I heard that myself use those words, um, is that because I am a yogi and I think that you probably do meditate yourself, um, I always hear in the back of my mind, and you just did it, without judgment. You're, you're not judging anybody. You're just telling your story. And that's part of another reason why I'm so engaged and in wonderment of what it is you do. And let's start with why you started Values of the Wise. What What is that all about? What what what? Tell us about your focus in that. Uh,
1: can we extend the show by three hours?
0: Uh, sure.
1: So values blue values Wise is something I I put together in 2004 um, because you know the or, the origin was specifically that I was looking to recall a quotation about honor. I knew it had something to do with honor, and I knew that I had it written down somewhere. I had a you know a folder of poems and little snippets and things like this Um, but i i was working with a a client because i was learning uh, psychotherapy at the time and i wanted to share that quote couldn't think of it so i came home immediately started to digitize you know type these quotes that were handwritten and you know on photocopied pieces of paper or whatever and, and get them into uh an excel document and then that just kind of blossomed and uh, I had I realized I have this uh, you know insatiable interest in finding quotations and writing them down and putting them in a, in my website and categorizing them and and also you know making it uh, free and easy for people to utilize that quotation search engine on the website and and you know you, they could spend you know twenty five hours straight searching for quotations um, and it would be you know no charge no ads you yes. Just want to, Put it out there so people can take advantage of. Because if you go to Brainy Quote or whatever, there are there are good quotes, but there's also a lot of junk and there's ads and all this stuff. And so I think right. the the quotation search engine, which is on my site in the uh, under under resources, is just mm-hmm. a great way to delve into. You know, maybe you're writing a paper or maybe you're trying to write a poem or just kind of get to know yourself or get to know a value. I mean, you know, the epilogue is I really I, I have you know, thousands of quotations about integrity, honor, morality, uh, goodness, you know, things that are in that category that I was trying to recall. Um, And so it it was really kind of a tool for me to be able to access a particular quote at a particular time when I needed it, either for my own benefit or that of my client. And it's just kind of mushroomed. Today I have 37,000 quotations and they're all categorized in special ways.
0: You know, it's really interesting when people ask me why I do this or well, what's your podcast all about or I start talking to a stranger or however those things happen. I think you can relate this to this. I say it's like fuel in my tank. When yeah. I begin a conversation with somebody, I mean, I don't have to do this, but I want to do this. And I and I get that about you and your quotes. My word of the day I've been doing for five years and I find quotes on that particular word. So we have that in common. But what I'd like to ask you is, so how did you get particularly so interested in things like values and ethics and personal growth and psychology and philosophy, I realize that could be a one-hour show. So <laughs> wh- why don't we talk about – why don't I just – why don't I pick one to start with? So how did you get so interested in the term values? Well, um, let's see. I, I
1: grew up in the, in the era when uh, people like William Bennett were writing, um, you know, his book, The Moral Compass – um, mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, looking back throughout the ages, you know, some very um, intelligent and and wise individuals would, would write things down. Um, you know, you read a, a very readable book like um, the Roman um, statesman Seneca, his book called "Letters from a Stoic." Uh, it's just you know, chock full of values, and so you know, history and, and philosophy and and various social sciences and humanities, their ways of trying to understand humanity. And I think one of the most interesting things about people is that they value certain things. And some people value, you know, numerous things very passionately. I mean, you know, uh, you see how politics is kind of a, um, like a analog for, for values in a way. I believe in this. I want this to be, you know, the law of the land. I don't want other people to be doing such and such, really values infuse politics, you know, absolutely. Mm And something like the abortion debate, you know, you get people talking on both sides about it, and they're all talking about values. And so I just think that um, that's the spice of life is, you know, not just going to work or, you know, sitting through a math class you don't like, whatever, but engaging in things that you value, things that you like, things that move you, things you know, through which you can become enthralled, or you know, kind of develop a life that feels like flourishing. That's just that's right. what people want to be.
0: It's very yeah. interesting. I I I would just recommend that as people are listening to this, um, that they make a list, which is what I did. I was challenged to do that this past week by a good friend of mine on Facebook about what what do you value and and i and i wrote that list of 10 and then i couldn't put it in any kind of order like what's what's the most important value and ultimately what i did jason is i alphabetized it okay. and and i and i i and i i'm looking at my list right now and i think it's it's interesting for us to kind of think about our own values and and thinking about values and virtues and wisdom Um, I I have two of your three books. that You sent me three. Thank you. That was very generous of you. Um, I have your book, Wisdom, in front of me right now. And I I like the subtitle to the word Wisdom, which is a a very valuable virtue that cannot be bought. And I want to also congratulate you on being an award winner for this book. So let me ask you. I, this is your second book. Of, well, no, it's not, maybe it's your fourth book about wisdom. Were your other two about wisdom as well? I don't have them in front of me. But regardless, um, I guess what I'd – let me let you answer that. I should have let you answer that.
1: I mean, I think wisdom is about as broad a topic as, as one yes. can possibly find, maybe next to, you know, um, God or something that is just a very expansive topic. Um, and so I think that wisdom does suffuse all of the – um mm-hmm. that I tend to do because, you know, I mean I guess if I'm writing about liberty per se, you know, maybe I won't be, you know, connecting with wisdom very fully, but in okay. a way liberty does have a have a wisdom aspect to it, right? Because sure. you know, everybody from, you know, Aristotle to John Stuart Mill to, you know, modern writers, they they talk about liberty. They think about liberty. They think how much mm-hmm. liberty should people have? You know, Thomas Jefferson. Right. Liberty. We want liberty from this. We want liberty to do this. And so, there's wisdom in trying to find out, you know, how does liberty relate to responsibility, right? Because if you have liberty without responsibility, it could be, you know, horribly tragic. Sure. Um, So,
0: well, let me ask you. So, um, because we don't have three hours, and I would really, I would really like to get a little deeper into this. So, what made you want to write? about wisdom. What was the impetus behind that for you personally?
1: Well, I I think if I had a wish, uh, it would be, you know, make me wiser. Um, It's just such a um, beautiful topic. It's very powerful. Uh, Most people, they don't really think about it very often, Mm -hmm. if at all. Right. You know, maybe it gets in church um, on one homily per year or something, but it's it's actually a very deep and wide topic, and if people – can have a, a kind of a mindfulness about wisdom mm-hmm. as they go through life, it can really make a, a difference. You know, it's it's hard to get angry at that driver who did something foolish if you keep having, you know, the idea of wisdom in the front of your mind. If you keep it, think of it as a mantra, you know, be wise, be wise, act with wisdom. And then, you know, that can lead to other things more specific like, okay, you just got cut off, but does that mean that you're going to have any benefit by honking your horn or by flipping that person off? You may get in trouble or or Mm perish if you were to do this to that person. So power down, rethink it, slow down. Things like rethinking uh, and perspective taking are are big parts of wisdom. Um, Anyway, as to your question about why uh, I wrote about it, um, I was very influenced by a book called Wisdom uh, from Philosophy to Neuroscience. It came out in 2010, and I really loved what he did with that book. And so I, uh, you know, read it, read it again, highlighted it, took notes on it, and then I kind of spun off of it, you know, almost like a jazz musician would. And Uh uh, kind of came up with aspects that, you know, maybe went a little deeper and wider in certain ways than than what he did. But um, just kind of trying to really understand the topic um, in part for my own edification, but also so that I could communicate to folks, uh, you know, who are not necessarily into philosophy or, mm-hmm. or psychology, you know, the social sciences, the aspects of things, um, you know, what what's the best type of personal growth for you? Because personal growth is a huge field. It can be kind of, you know, cheesy in ways. So the more you understand about um, the nature of philosophy and um, what people have done in, in psychological research throughout the decades and centuries, um, that, you know, that can really inform you um, as to what wisdom really is and how you can, utilize it in your everyday life, um, you know, for some purpose.
0: It's a, it's a, that's a perfect segue and lead into what I want to ask you. I, I often do this because when my guests are talking about a subject, they may have a definition of a particular word that may be different than somebody else's. And you tend not to spend too much time defining wisdom in your book but you approach it throughout the book as something that is characteristics and skills of wise individuals, and which ones stick out for you as being the most important or interesting or challenging? Are there are there some that you could just like go, oh, that one for sure? Probably not, but I'm just giving you an option.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um- I do think that wisdom is is sort of like looking at the sun. it's It's sort of complex, um, a little bit um, mysterious, um, maybe abstruse in certain ways. So I think it's best not to look straight at it, but instead uh-huh. try to look you know off to the side of Tad, and in so doing, you'll find three hundred and sixty degrees of you know allied um, characteristics, skills, um, virtues. Um, and things like that, and, and if you if you do that, you take that roundabout sort of way, you'll end up knowing wisdom much better than if you, you know, try to look it up in a dictionary or go to the Stanford encyclopedia of, of philosophy. Um, you know, you can kind of really get lost. Um, that's something that that other author I just referenced, Stephen S. Hall, and I both agree on is that it's pretty complex and deep and wide topic, but it needn't be um, intimidating or mystifying because if you understand things like empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. you get, you know, a lead-in to, to wise behavior. Uh, if you understand good values and virtues, you get a, a lead-in to how a wise person would lead their life. Um, if you think about, you know, being willing to think critically or maybe rethink things, you know, there's, there's a skill called rethinking. It's been popularized by Adam Grant, you know, a very capable professor um, at, um, at the Wharton School and you know it's interesting to think about rethinking what does that mean you know if you arrive at a quick um conclusion about something or about someone you, you would do well to to really kind of take a step back and be more mindful and think you know what is this based on what are the premises that i'm relying on do i have any biases and prejudices that are kind of sitting there very quietly almost unnoticed um so those are those are a few of the of the things that i think kind of you know approach wisdom or or wisdom adjacent and are and are sort of instructive and enlightening
0: you know um we're not looking at one another there was a time when i actually had my born to talk show in a studio which unfortunately i don't have that but the good news is you're obviously not going to drive over to my house this afternoon <laughs> but what you do but, but what you do and what you've done just in these in these first twenty minutes that we've been speaking, is you draw mental pictures for me, and that's what you just did when you use the sun as an analogy. No, we're not supposed to look straight into the sun. Your parents tell you that from birth: do not look straight into the sun. And I, I love the way you. And and it is the sun is mysterious and complex. I I love the way you. Define that do you think that um people can become i don't know i, I i'm I, i'm going back to that word wisdom again do you think that wisdom underlies frankly success fulfillment happiness w- what are your thoughts about that
1: well, thanks about uh, what you said a minute ago by the way um Yes, I think wisdom absolutely underlies uh, so much it's 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 just it's almost like the soil out of which you know a, an incredible oak tree can grow. You can't have an oak tree without any soil You can't even have grass without soil and most people don't think about the soil um they think about the tree or they think about you know um when they're hiking the the beauty of the leaf, the you know leaves through the sun and things like this, but it's that soil that nurtures um the you know the the flora and I think that wisdom certainly underlies things like fulfillment. If you say to somebody, "Are you are you fulfilled in life? What what um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What are you excited about? Mm-hmm. What what gives your life meaning? Why do you not kill yourself?" Um, and I and I I don't mean to be weird by saying that, but that's what no. Albert Camus one of the most fundamental philosophical questions is, you know. Ought I to live or die? And Shakespeare, of course, said, "To be or not to be." And so we all have that decision every single day, especially if we're suffering. Do I continue on? What's the point of all this? Uh, is it all worth it? Why? You know, just what values underlie everything that I do throughout the day? So fulfillment, that emotional sense of of interest and buoyancy, and just being kind of happy to be awake and alive. Um, you know, happiness might be a, a decent um, synonym for fulfillment. Uh, you know, it's definitely related to wisdom. You know, you're going to pursue the wrong things, for example, if you if you are not wise. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe folks who pursue money so doggedly will one day look back on that and think that was a huge mistake. I mean, did you ever read the book um, Tuesdays with Morrie?
0: You know? Oh my uh, God, that was forever ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I mean, yeah. more,
1: more didn't tell his student, you know. What you should do is go out today and try to figure out how to make more money. Come back tomorrow and talk about that, you know. Right. That would be because Maury well, wasn't concerned with money, you know.
0: It's, it's interesting what you say because you are continuing to draw pictures in our minds, just using the oak tree as a metaphor. And, you know, it's really interesting. It's also sort of about... And I've used this analogy on my show before about the word love, because maybe happiness yes. and love for some people go hand in hand. And one of the lessons that I learned from my mother, particularly my mother, I don't think it was from my dad, was you can't expect somebody to love you if you don't love yourself. And it seems like so obvious, like, well, duh, but not necessarily if you've never really thought about that. And I think that that's what makes your book so um, so real because you talk about these words and everybody can define their own personal happiness. Right now, I have a kitty that lives in my house, me and Miss <laughs> Kitty. She makes me so happy. And you know what? I know at the end of the day when she is laying on top of me and I'm trying to watch TV and she's dripping because I'm petting her, and she's in bliss. And I think to myself, this is happiness. I'm happy. She's happy. And for me, another word that has to be encapsulated in all of this in, in wisdom is gratefulness because I'd like to think that there is something within success, within fulfillment, within happiness it also includes gratefulness. I just needed to throw that out there for those of you that are listening, because if this was just me asking you a bunch of questions, that, would, that wouldn't be a conversation. I want to partake in this conversation with you. So can you say I would also... Um, what's that? Let me just note on that
1: subject that I used to have a, a dog uh, who was a therapy dog. Uh, oh, Obviously, a, a little, uh, you know, Shih Tzu would be a, a wonderful therapy dog. And I had a 140-pound male Gray Dane.
0: And, oh, my uh, God. Name,
1: yeah, he was he was really remarkable. His name was Atlas, and he was oh, just the cutest course. thing. He loved to go to assisted living facilities and places mm-hmm. like this and interact with people. Um, mm-hmm. In part, he, he wanted to, you know, search around their rooms, see what the smells were like. And, you know, he would always look in the trash can. Um, But once I got him on track, you know, he would really like to interact with these people. You you could just see it in his body language. And, you know, the point is that other people really liked interacting with this dog. Some people, you know, they almost got teary-eyed because they remembered a dog they used to have,
0: something like this,
1: um, you know, animals, dogs, kittens. um, They can just play a a huge role in our life and, and make life much, you know, much more worth living. And uh, it's like social relationships, you know. The worst thing that, a, that an elderly person can be is lonely, uh, because that's right. very uh, pointless and pernicious. Um, and so, you know, having friends, um, participating in society in one way or another, not feeling like they've been forgotten or left behind,
0: mm-hmm. uh, is very, very
1: important.
0: You know, it's it's interesting because um, certainly this pandemic for many people. Um, have isolated them. And depending upon your lifestyle, you know, it, it, it has contributed to someone's maybe underlying happiness. And in speaking about that, do you think that people could be happier and more fulfilled if they actually loved wisdom and thought about loving wisdom?
1: I think that's true. and And, you know, the... Use of the word um, love is very purposeful in the way you ask it because uh, philosophy comes from um, Greek words "philosophia," which means love of wisdom. Um, So, uh, you know, people, people like Socrates were talking, you know, a long, long time ago about how wisdom is a thing, and if you know, philosophy is a process of coming to love wisdom. Um, you know, philosophy can be kind of, um, you know, can get stuck in the weeds and be very ivory tower esque and whatever, kind of, kind of useless to most um, people and most students, but it can also be, you know, the very heart of the matter of, of how one is going to live. Um, Socrates, you know, famously said, the unexamined life is not worth living. That is, you know, if you don't try to get to uh, greater wisdom, which to some people feels like spirituality, and you know, to some people feels like a kind of a secular, you know, spirituality or look at you know values and, and things like this. It, it your know, your life is going to be um, necessarily you know, truncated and and uh, shallow. And you, you think about people like Jeffrey Epstein, who had all the money in the world, and the things he did with his money were just criminally. Stupid, mm-hmm. you know, just so uh, misguided, um, selfish, um, adolescent, and, and he ruined his life um, by mm-hmm. being attracted to those things that he was attracted to, money, for example, or having. He had his own island, you know what I mean? And so the guy was obviously unhappy in a sense because he had such a um, shallow level of self-understanding and and psychological, you know, maturity. That he was just completely lost. And that's why you see some of these folks who they'll tell their story. And they'll say, you know, I was poor when I grew up. I never had much money throughout my life. But you know what? I had love. I had friends. I had family. I did important things. I did stuff I liked. And you don't really need that much money to have a decent life. And so money can be a big distractor and a big, um, you know, um, like a siren, you know, the capital S-I-R-E-N, mm-hmm. those mythological creatures from, from Greek mythology you know they want right. to ensnare you um, and it's so attractive it's impossible to um, to avoid it or mm-hmm. you know um, uh, and so money and other things like that play roles like that in society obviously, social media has a lot to do with
0: you know
1: popularity are people looking yes. at what I'm saying do they approve of me do they like what I'm doing uh, and so on and so forth It's very hard on adolescent girls to be involved in social media because it's it's it, because the way their brains work is particularly pernicious for them to be so concerned with you know, how how are people sizing me up? Am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Uh, it's and you know, you could be a teenage girl or you could be a woman in her seventies and um I I fall prey to that as well. You know, of course That's, I want right. you to like what I'm doing, putting the quotes around the word like but frankly, to be honest with you, if I was being honest with me, which is more important, I suppose, if we 're talking that way, is do I like what i 'm doing? Am I getting um, wisdom? Am I becoming wiser? Am I becoming a deeper thinker am i Am I engaging myself in fulfillment? And, and people measure success in many different ways as well. Everybody has their own yardstick, right? And it, so I, that's why, for me, words really matter. And that's why your book is so terrific because of how you've actually written it with the quotes and who you refer to. It's not designed to be a textbook, and that's one of the reasons that I like it so much, because if it was, frankly, I probably wouldn't be interested in reading it. So since I kind of mentioned age here in this, why would you say that some people age yet seem to gain little, if any, wisdom as they do so?
1: Um, thanks for what you said, America, by the
0: way. You're <laughs> um, welcome. But,
1: uh you know, age age is an interesting phenomenon, right? Because you have you have some people in their 20s who really, you know, quote get it. They seem to be very insightful, you know, um, bright little people, um, and and you can see some wisdom in them. In fact, that that phrase, out of the mouths of babes, right, It's a way of referring to the fact that even a child can. Maybe you're walking past the homeless encampment. The child is like, why are all these people camped here? And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for you. Let's keep walking. You know, it's like mm-hmm. adults tend to ignore some things that a child can see because adults can be kind of, you know, habituated and jaded and they get these mental ruts um, and they keep thinking in mental ruts. You know, it's, that's how the brain wants to work is if you have a way of thinking, you stick with that way of thinking. Um, part of the reason it's so hard to shake something like you know white supremacy or whatever. It's like
0: mm-hmm. if you're raised
1: thinking like that, it's hard to just change that style of thinking. Although there is this remarkable man. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's this black guy a musician, um, just so engaging and amiable. And what he's done over the years is engaged white supremacists in conversation, and Interesting. he has had such important role in the lives of, of some white supremacists that he has converted them from that. Wow. Lifestyle. I love that. He, he, he says he's done, you know, hundreds. I saw it on Dateline last night. Uh, he's just a remarkable <gasps> man, you know, walking saint. And uh, I think I, I saw
0: part of that.
1: Okay. I was flipping There's TV around. Yeah. yeah. You I mean, know, he's, he's oh, gosh. Hardcore white supremacists who were like, this guy is my friend. I love this man. He took me out of that hateful lifestyle and showed me that, you know, you can like a black person and, and that they're, you're equal in every way, and, and, and I shouldn't continue on with this nonsense. It's a very heartwarming type of, of story.
0: You know, you're, you're, why I love doing this is because it brings up, particularly if it's a subject that I'm truly interested in, which I am in your case, I am interested, and I have your book. You made me think about something, um, and and I'm sure if people watch television, they could not have not seen this this past week. It was so emotional. It was the Little League game. And do you know what I'm talking about as, I, as I'm going to continue with this? Do you know what I'm referring to? Maybe you don't, um, so I will well, keep talking. Okay, continue. It was a Little League game because now they're into the Little League World Series. So we're talking about boys and girls of the ages of 8 to 12. And these are their all-stars. These are their best players in their from their communities. And the pitcher pitched the ball, and it inadvertently hit the batter in the head, in the helmet, and knocked him to the ground. Do you know what I'm speaking about? Did you see this? I did
1: see that on um, NBC News, yeah.
0: Yes. And what did that young boy do that got hit after he gathered himself? He saw the horror of that pitcher that he was – so distraught by what he did that that batter went up to that pitcher, embraced him, and talked to him i I think that everyone in the world should see that, and i i honestly I thought about what motivated that young man to do that, both young men, because the pitcher was equally involved in this. But I thought about their parents and grandparents. What amazing young men these were. Young boys. They're not men. They're 12. And I thought, this is an example of wisdom, in my opinion. This was humanity at its absolute best, and I i was just, I was so moved. I was moved to tears to, to watch that. I, I love that. And so I suppose that would be a way of how wisdom can be applied today. But is a good life necessarily one that involves wisdom?
1: Uh, That's what the ancients tell us. Uh, You know, Aristotle was uh, extremely clear on this. Um, And so, you know, I, I think that I would probably challenge, you know, somebody to prove me wrong. Show me somebody who, you know, Lives a good life, is happy, uh, maybe is a quote good person, and they and they do not understand wisdom, do not care about wisdom, do not have values that are associated with wisdom. Uh, it would it would be it would be pretty remarkable. Um, so yes, I think I think it's pretty clear that um, mm-hmm. you know wisdom is absolutely part and parcel of you know the good life, a good life, uh, however you want to phrase that, a um, sure. life that is self-actualized, or one that gets toward flourishing. Um, when Aristotle talked about happiness, um, he used the word um, eudaimonia, um, the Greek word, and it's sometimes translated as happiness, but it's better translated as fulfillment or flourishing. So he says the best kind of life is one in which you are flourishing, and your mm-hmm. wisdom is absolutely... Uh, absolutely part of that
0: yes it's true I'm just curious have you ever been to Greece
1: no I'm afraid I haven't
0: got to put it on that bucket list when everything gets healthy um you'll be you will love it um how did you find so many interesting and insightful quotations about some of the subtopics in your book I mean it's not a short book such as, I'll give you some examples and you can just, and maybe I'll have you give me some of your favorites. But how did you, I mean, there's, the subtopics are empathy, and you referred to that before. Empathy, compassion, patience, intuition, skepticism, and so on. How did you, is it from all those years of compiling those things on your spreadsheet, how did you do this?
1: Um. It basically was, um, thanks for, thanks for saying what you say, because, you know, some people would say, why would you, you know, spend time talking about a topic in a chapter in which, you know, I'm not shy with quoting people in my chapter, and at the end of the chapter, I quote an additional 30, 40, 50 people, um, but I think that my approach, my approach is sort of like, there's a quotation by Dale Carnegie, it's something like, um, I, I took my uh, inspiration from Jesus, and I, I swiped my values from Lord Chesterfield, and I got inspiration from, um, you know, Socrates. Um, if you if you don't uh, if you don't um, endorse those values, well then who who would you put up as as exemplars? I've completely ruined the quote now that I hear myself say it. But <laughs>
0: that's okay.
1: I, it's sort of like if you, if you're not, if you do not believe that Jesus had anything important to say about uh, goodness or charity or um, tolerance or love, if you think that Martin Luther King Jr. had nothing to say about justice or um, you know the the promise of America or Gandhi. You know, how to get along with others, Gandhi, you know, so many people have said so many things. yep, yeah, I mean, yes, Mandela literally was reading you know, meditations by Marcus Aurelius in prison it made a huge difference in his life. You know, true mm-hmm. story.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so
1: if you don't believe in most people's values, then whose values do you believe in? So I'm kind of trying to make a case, uh, kind of like an attorney, almost like a yes. martial for my points mm-hmm. and for, you know, the values I'm discussing in each chapter. And so to pile on an additional 30, 40 quotes. Of you know what I consider to be an interesting diversity and depth, um, you know it's like if that doesn't convince you that um, you know skepticism and doubt are are good things, well then then you have to come back to me with evidence that you can bring to the table why you think
0: that why like why is yeah yeah exactly so, it makes that makes idea. sense there, there are fifteen mm-hmm. chapters in this book. And um, I don't know if you have – that's like saying "Which you have four children. Who's your favorite? I mean, it's like, oh, really? <laughs> um, uh, well, it depends upon what you're talking about. Uh, this one can do this and this one can do that. But what I would pe- be curious, and, and maybe, maybe you can answer this, but do you have some of your favorite quotes um, that you would like to share and how, how a, a quotation can be helpful in one's life? Because I've got one that I'm going to share from your book after you share some of, maybe one of yours. Sure.
1: Um, Yeah, so in Chapter 9, it's called Wisdom Entails Self-Awareness and Self-Discipline. You know, I just, I flipped to the back of it. I'm sitting here, you know, on the phone with you, but I got the book in my hands, and so I just kind of almost randomly chose a page. And because I put so much care into collecting my quotes in the past, I'm able to just, you know, bring them to the fore really really easily. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here here's one. Um okay. what sculpture is what sculpture is to a block of marble, education is to the soul. That's uh Joseph Addison. And you know, a really good quote I think is one that it might only contain ten words, maybe twenty, but it can really send your mind racing if you think about it because it's just it grabs you, it's compelling. It's, as you would say, interesting. (laughs)
0: uh, Wonderment. You can think think about who
1: said it, you know, what's the biographical sketch of that person, um, how is it different from other similar quotations, you know. Mm -hmm. um, But anyway, um, you know, that's a quote about education and, you know, in my opinion, self-awareness. And you can think for, you know, hours about education and, and never, you know, and not get bored and not repeat yourself. So, Correct. education is a very deep and wide, interesting topic. And um, you know, according to Joseph Addison, that uh, you know, if you educate yourself, it's kind of like shaping a block of marble. Um, um, in, in that, uh, you know, you do the work, right? But mm-hmm. in the end, if you persevere and if you have some skill and, and maybe a little bit of luck, you can produce. A beautiful sculpture. I mean, uh, Michelangelo searched for months for his piece of, of stone to uh, carve David, and mm-hmm. most people say it turned out incredibly well. Um, and so I think people who talk about education is kind of a similar thing, like um, your soul can be improved. It can be, quote, shaped by education. Um, and of course, you know, experience and, and, and um, can lead suffering maybe can lead to wisdom in the end. That's kind of the ultimate purpose of education I think is, is not not just to have a job, maybe not even maybe not even primarily to have a job, but for those other deeper, more important purposes.
0: Mhm. I'm going to just I, I have the book open and I was thinking, Well what would I want to read? And so this is actually, and you didn't know I was going to do this, but this is from Chapter 13, Living a Life of Value, Flourishing and Fulfillment, by Tom Morris. And this is what it says. Genuine happiness is a byproduct of living in a way that is supportive of human flourishing. It is tied to excellence. Happiness comes from discovering who you are, developing your distinctive talents, and putting those talents to work for the overall benefit of others as well as yourself. I, I'm telling you, that that should be on T-shirts. That that really <laughs> spoke to me. Um, that really spoke to me. But your whole book is like that. I I, I just. It's just amazing. I mean, I could just stay on the same page and just um, – <laughs> here's one at the top of that page. When well-being comes from engaging our strengths and virtues, our lives are imbued – wait, is that how you say that word? I-M-B-U-E-D? Imbued? Yeah, imbued. Imbued with authenticity. Martin E.P. Selgeman. So, you know – do I know who all these, these famous thinkers are? Not necessarily. I, I don't. I'm, I'm very comfortable in admitting that. But, you know, when you, you refer to people in our world like Helen Keller and um, Maya Angelou and Nelson Mandela and many others, they are quotable for a reason. They have a message. And everyone's not going to get the same message the same way. We don't all have the same life experiences. So what might make sense to one person may make something entirely different to the other. So when you think about who you, you know, like I was going to ask you this, and and I think we'll have time for you to ask me the same question. Who are some people you admire or look up to uh,
1: well um, you know I'll just kind of head off in an interesting direction with this question sure and i' will get a little, I'll get a little bit more um, conventional, but you know I think there's so many there's so many millions of people that live lives that are that are really worthy in certain ways, maybe not as a totality but some of the things they do and think and feel uh, are really, you know, they're beautiful in a way. Um, So somebody who just works really hard for a living because maybe they're an immigrant family and and they believe in, in the promise of America, and they want to create a better life for themselves and their family, you know, to maybe they're a janitor, you know, maybe they, they work long nights, maybe they work two jobs, you know, they, that's why they cry when they see their, their daughter or son graduate from college because right. it's so meaningful. They work so hard, and nobody ever gave them a medal for working as a janitor. You don't get medals for working as a janitor, uh, or somebody who takes care of an ailing parent. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can be brutally difficult to deal with an aging parent, um, and you know, Alzheimer's disease is a horrible fate. And so
0: yes.
1: for these, you know, somebody like me. I can always find something to appreciate about somebody uh, even folks who are on the opposite end of the political spectrum than I am, or maybe the religious spectrum because everybody deserves respect if they're not doing, you know, uh, evil and selfish things. If, they're, if right. they're living pretty normal life, you're going to be able to find things about them that are, that are admirable, even if they've never written anything, they don't think that they're very smart. If they don't like themselves very much. But If you really dig down in there, that's why I was able to find, um, you know, some some things I liked and respected about every one of my uh, psychotherapy clients. And I even worked with uh, people who were incest perpetrators, you know, whatever, wow. very mentally ill people, alcoholics, whatever, because everybody is dealing with life on life's terms, um, as it were, and, and maybe they don't succeed. People like Martin Luther King Jr. and Winston Churchill – Uh, didn't really succeed in certain ways, right? Because a lot of people thought Churchill was a jerk and MLK obviously uh, was adulterous. So, um, you know, parts of every person is worthy of respect and admiration and and imitating. And the parts of that same person are not. Um, And that's why I watch these crime dramas on television, you know, about murders and how they get solved. And it's like, You know, the the detectives are always like, you got to watch out for these humans, man. They can be heinous. That's absolutely true. There's just no doubt that people kill each other for some of the dumbest reasons sometimes, money Mm -hmm. or jealousy or revenge or whatever. But then you have, you know, somebody who will spend time volunteering. Maybe they save um, – there are cases of these folks who save a little bit of money, every paycheck, as they work for 50 years. And, and they live a very modest lifestyle. And when they die, they end up giving two million dollars to, you know, some charity, and everybody's surprised. Right. They're like, "That it was a millionaire. I had no idea they lived a modest lifestyle. And right. They <laughs> gave all their money. Right. Um, anyway, that's that's me branching off in a unique direction. With the, the more conventional direction would be, you know, Tom Morris. You mentioned. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's an important person to me. Uh, he he endorsed this book. Um, and he's very active on uh, in numerous ways. Author, he's on Twitter. Um, he's on LinkedIn. I mean, if you put a comment on his LinkedIn, uh, he he posts it every day. You put a comment on his LinkedIn, he'll he'll talk to you later that day. and Say, hey, thanks for wow. reading, thanks for reading. Or you're right about that. Here's what here's what I think about what you said. And so that's, that's philosophy. That's awesome. You know, when you I didn't
0: know that. Date. That's really interesting yeah, but- and. <laughs> I I'm, I just I came across Chapter Four, the wise okay. perceive the world with empathy and compassion. Here's Margaret Mead. Never believe that a group of caring, committed people can't change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. I don't know how people can read some of the things the Dalai Lama, some of the things that you have in this book. You know, you got to have a tissue nearby to read some of these things. I I I just they're just they're just beautiful. I I'm serious. They I I'm I feel so grateful that you sent me these books because they really they say so much, Jason. I mean, they really do. So, I want to ask you another question. You you sound like a man that is very involved in your life. And some people are so involved in their life and the things that they do that at times—and I'm not saying this is you—that's why I'm asking this question. At times, it's hard to find balance. How do you how do you keep your life in balance based on all that you do?
1: Uh, I'm getting in the habit of thanking you for something you said that was nice, and then you asked a question, so I, I, mean, I have to kind of go back. You know, I have to skip go back a bit oh. and thank you for what you said um, yeah you know, not everybody likes the book um a lot of people ignore the book and so to get uh you know really feedback, also positive it you know feels very good so i appreciate that God,
0: uh, yeah
1: i i put this book in front of hundreds of thousands of people on amazon using advertisements and i don't sell that many books so that means most people see the cover and they think nah not really my thing you know what i mean <gasps> so
0: oh man I,
1: big step it's just not as popular a topic as some other things that that folks write about or or maybe maybe I'm not the right uh
0: you know oh I disagree to, uh, I, I you you are an exceptional guest and i <laughs> I tend to interrupt and I don't mean to do that, but it's just if we were sitting at Starbucks, I'd be interrupting you there too, so it's just how it's just <laughs> me uh, it's just unfortunately what I do and i i don't I don't intend to be disrespectful. I get excited, I suppose. And oh, yeah. um, I can't imagine that anyone couldn't pick this book up and find something in it that touches them. I, I mean, I just can't imagine that. And i got to tell you, I'm not a reader. I, I'm going to be straight with you about that. If there's sports on TV, I'm not reading your book. Okay, so... <laughs> Back to your balance. <laughs> Back to your balance. So, yeah. how how do you keep in balance?
1: Well, um, um, I, I do try to keep my calendar clear in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have children, and my wife and I like to watch television. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we find uh, some show like uh, Homicide Hunter, uh, which <laughs> is a show about catching criminals. We find out to be very interesting, Um, you know, your datelines and and shows like Mm -hmm. this,
0: because
1: they're little little mysteries, you know, so we'll just sit there and watch that, and so it's not really trash TV, if you're engaged and and you're thinking, you know, and and you're surprised by stuff, and we find shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine to be just so funny, Um, so, you know, watching television with my wife is pretty much what we do, you know, five, six nights a week. Um, I I cook a lot. Um, My wife was happy marry somebody who is willing to cook um yeah and uh, i go hiking and um oh. you know i'm not great about coming away from work or if something's bothering mm-hmm. me i'm not i'm not great about defocusing off of it um certainly watching the news you know i've, I've been known to pace back and forth watching the news oh boy stuff going on and going on nowadays is, is so disheartening and, and disturbing you know i mean these these people who um shoot up a place, it's like, you know, mental health issues is written all over those those uh, incidents. And so it's just right. so sad that some people feel so lost and angry and hateful and resentful that they're like, I'd rather shoot people than do anything else more productive to bring about mental health, you know? Uh, they've sacrificed themselves to hurt other people. I mean, this, our society is crazy people. There's no other way to look at well, it. So they well, but let's... So
0: Let's spin it. Let, let, let's turn the top because we're coming to okay. the top of the hour. And that is, yes, there is that side of our society that you just described. I would like to focus on people like yourself that are really making a difference. I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if you've got another book coming out that you're probably working on <laughs> one as we speak. Are you?
1: I'm not – I found – I I knew that I was not a great self-promoter, and so I find promoting my self-published books to be kind of um, irksome. So I'm I'm Uh going to kind of go back to school and, uh, you know, I'm going to study the liberal arts. um, Really? At least three or four years. Um, Yeah, actually, um, you know, something your listeners might be interested in, there's a thing at the University of Chicago called the Basic Program of Liberal Education where – Every semester, you know, three semesters a year, you get together with other people and you read great texts, you know, the Moby Dick's and the Wuthering Heights. You read them on your own hmm. and you get together for three hours a week and you talk about them and you gain great insights into, you know, very important things. So that's just a little, a little tip. You know, you can do that for 500 bucks a semester. It's a, it's a tremendous bargain if you're looking for self-growth, wow. I think. Wow,
0: that's cool. So you're 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 just continuing to put um, um, plant food in your in your soil. That's what yeah. you're doing. You're going to just continue to yeah. grow, continue to blossom, and to continue to contribute and contribute for the positive. And that's why um, I've so enjoyed this opportunity to spend this hour with you. And you're absolutely right. You know, if we were just sitting together in my backyard or your backyard, um, we could spend the entire afternoon sharing personal stories, um, sharing what makes us happy. And and you've just given um, our listeners an insight into you. And I really do hope, and I'm going to be thinking about the people that I know, that you can continue to get this word out so that somebody that, maybe doesn't listen to my cop podcast but listens to Joe Blow's podcast over there, would be able to also um invite you to share what it is that you have a passion about. Clearly you do. And if you didn't, you would not be authentic. And if you were not authentic, we would see that. You are the real deal. Yeah, I
1: appreciate what you say. I do love having these discussions. It's kind of a, the highlight of my week, um to be Good. able to talk about really important issues and that's part of the reason I'm looking forward to going back to school because you know um, to talk about these important things that are in the realm of you know humanities and social sciences and stuff it's
0: sure. it's
1: kind of like you know taking responsibility for your for your own lifelong learning because mm-hmm. once you graduate from high school or college you know nobody's going to make you read a magazine you know or a book for the rest of your life if you don't want to um, absolutely but you kind of you know be be um Um, stale and, and fail to grow if, if that's how you approach, um, right. It's it's a tremendous mistake if people think, I've got it all figured out. I really don't need to learn more. I'm open (laughs) to new ideas and the people I've, I've, I've got it set. Um, that's like a, it's, it's, the word would probably be like, you know, crystallized or foreclosed and that's, that's foolish.
0: Yes, I would agree. Well, there are, I, I was looking at a calendar. Um, I'm, Almost seven and a half years into doing this and yeah I was born to talk Um, don't 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 get me started (laughs) on me but it's true Um, and and a lot of times I have repeat guests because we just didn't cover it all so you're going to be in that category of somebody that I'm going to invite again and um, I just want to wish you the very very best in your furthering your education but most importantly, I just want to thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. If no one listens to this podcast, which is not the case, but if no one listens to this podcast, this meant the world to me. So thank you so very much for, for joining me today. It was just fabulous. <sighs>
1: that is very praised. I'm so happy. Um, I also enjoyed speaking with you because it brings out the best in me to talk with somebody mm-hmm. who wants to ask me the kinds of questions that I can really you know hit using the the baseball metaphor. So um, it really <laughs> worked me out. Today.
0: Well good. So now go 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 have yourself a glass of water and enjoy the rest of your afternoon and um, I will be back again next week with another very interesting podcast about therapy not therapy dogs, but sort of like therapy dogs at LAX, people that walk around with pups and help passengers unstress while they're at the airport. It's incredible. So that's next week. So there you have it. I I love what I do. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. I'm going to let Jason get on with his day. Thank you for always being there. I do appreciate all of you. Bye for now, everybody.